Welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one restorative page of Talmud every day. Although today's page hits a little bit too close to home. It's about being in a state of isolation, being in a state of loneliness, being separated from the rest of the community because of a plague or a disease. Here's a little taste. The Gemara explains that the verse is explicated in the following manner. He shall dwell in isolation means he shall dwell alone without even the company of others who are ritually impure. His dwelling shall be outside the camp teaches that the verse has transmuted the negative precept into a positive mitzvah or commandment. In other words, the verse establishes that if a leper entered an area that is prohibited to him, he is commanded to leave and fulfilling this command removes the full force of the prohibition he has already violated. The rule is that lashes are not administered for the violation of a prohibition if that violation can be rectified by the fulfillment of a positive commandment. In other words, the Talmud tells us it is imperative that those who have leprosy or have any other reason to be considered impure must dwell in isolation, away from the camp, away from the rest of the community. This struck me as a particularly resonant notion in our troubled times of dealing with COVID-19 in which so many people have to deal with the isolation of either being sick and contagious and forced to keep away from loved ones or having to maintain social distancing and not being able to meet and see and interact with those they love. So it is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast one of the smartest people I know, Vineet Chander, the coordinator for Hindu life and Hindu chaplain at Princeton University, who thinks about these topics a lot. Hello. Helio, how are you? Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. And I'm very curious as someone who is a chaplain, which by definition is someone who thinks about these issues, I think, quite a lot. Correct me if I'm wrong, but just by nature of being the spiritual leader of a community, and especially in the time of COVID. Tell me, how does a passage like this about dwelling in isolation in a time of a plague or a disease, how does it resonate with your experience these days? This passage and the commentary around it really do hit close to home and really do resonate quite deeply. As a college chaplain, I often find myself thinking about and assisting students in their own navigation of connection and isolation. Particularly in the time of a pandemic, those concepts take on a whole new meaning. And so as a college chaplain, I especially feel like, gosh, there's just so much to to wrestle with. As far as what it means to be in community, what it means to be connected to one another, and also what it means to necessarily have to take a step back or a step away from one another. The campus that I serve at at Princeton is welcoming back students for the first time since students were required to leave campus just this week. So we're starting the spring semester. Classes begin in just a few days, and we're welcoming students back. But of course, we're welcoming them back to a campus that has been fundamentally altered. And they are going to be interacting with one another and hopefully forging some sense of community together but in a very different way. And so isolation remains a reality. This passage is also really resonant with me as not just a chaplain, but as a Hindu chaplain. My own Hindu tradition 
you know, has a really interesting relationship with these notions of community and of isolation or solitude. I would even venture to say that there is a there's an ambivalence there. There's a tension there. One of the real pillars, if I might, of Hindu spiritual practice is the idea of fellowship, of community. In Sanskrit, this is often uh, tied to the word sangha, which you find in, in Hindu and, and Buddhist traditions. The idea of coming together in community, in fellowship, the dynamic nature of experiencing the divine with and through one another. And so spirituality, in this sense, really depends on connection. And when there's a break from that, when there's isolation that's required, even if there's a recognition that it's required and it's necessary and it is the right thing to do, there's something deeply heartbreaking about it. There's a recognition that um, we can't quite be the same, even in terms of our spiritual practices and aspiration, when we're not able to come together. And often that that means in a very real way, coming together physically, being in one another's physical proximity. So there is this emphasis on community and on connection and on proximity. And when there's a break from that, it's something to be mourned. It's, it's an aberration. It's, um, it's a challenge. And yet, on the other hand, there is teaching after teaching after teaching calling us to lean into solitude. There are these beautiful statements in texts like the Bhagavad Gita that speak of embracing solitude as a gateway to introspection, to contemplation, to deeper understanding of oneself and one's relationship with God, and ultimately as a gateway to connection with God, to a deeper connection with God. Now, of course, voluntary solitude as part of one's spiritual practice and the kind of necessary, you know, kind of forced and enforced isolation and distancing that we're seeing uh, in the midst of the pandemic are, of course, very different things. But I do think that even with isolation in terms of the pandemic, there is an opportunity there. And I don't want to be too trite or Pollyanna about it, right? This is not about counting silver linings and dark clouds. But this is about taking a situation in which Isolation is a necessary reality, as bitter of a pill as it might be to swallow, and turning it around, looking at it in terms of an opportunity to go deeper within and to go deeper in terms of one's own spiritual practice. In the Bhagavad Gita, we are encouraged to embrace solitude, not out of a sense of wanting to disconnect from others, but in the spirit of intentionally reversing our gaze, rather than being so fixated on the external world, to accept this opportunity, the gift of quieting everything and going deeper within. What I love so much about the passage that you shared is what is seemingly on the surface a rather harsh statement, what one might even see as something that is limiting and prohibitive and even punitive in some ways, there's also an understanding of turning the negative into a positive, seeing it as a positive act, as a mitzvah, as an opportunity to do good and to experience good, both in the external world and within. And as you said, to obtain that kind of purity that is so important to connect not only with yourself, but also with the divine. Anit Chandra, thank you so much for being our guest today. 
Thank you. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.